Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly on this Tuesday, this rainy Tuesday, following uh, the rain out of Phillies and Astros Game 3 on Monday night. We'll get into the Phillies in a little bit here, but you know, since that part of the podcast will be um, a little outdated uh, by the end of the night, and this is, you know, an Eagles reaction podcast. Uh, we'll start with the Eagles before we get in to the Phillies and the remainder of this World Series. Uh, but wanted to break down Eagles Steelers from Sunday as the Eagles win again. They move to 7-0. and And this team seems to gain momentum. And this team gathering more momentum. This team getting stronger week by week. And, you know, I, I always hate comparing these kind of teams I think it's in in many respects it's typically lazy to just compare a really good team this year to a really good team in past years like people made the comparison between oh this 2022 Phillies team and the 2017 Eagles team honestly I don't see a lot of you know comparable aspects of those two teams the 2017 Eagles they were one of the best teams in football all year like yes they lost Carson Wentz they ended up being underdogs at that point. But, I mean, that was a really good football team. This Phillies team, it's totally different. I mean, the Phillies were probably not one of the best 10 teams in baseball throughout the course of the year. They're a team that got hot at the right time and is making a fun run. But when you look at the 2022 Eagles and you compare them to the 2017 Eagles, I think that's an apt comparison. And when you look specifically back at this game, on Sunday against Pittsburgh, that felt very reminiscent to me, at least, of a 2017 Eagles game. Because remember, there was that stretch of the season with the Eagles, and this is where we really began to recognize how good this team is, where I, I thought their biggest win of the year, potentially, one of their biggest wins of the year, was when they went to Carolina on a Thursday night, and Carolina was a good team. Um, you know, Carolina ended up being a playoff team that year, had gone to the Super Bowl, uh, two years prior, and the Eagles beat them in a really hard-fought game on a Thursday night. And then following that performance, the Eagles went on a stretch where they just were crushing everybody. I mean, they played the Niners, they destroyed them, the Broncos, the Cowboys. Like, they just were running through teams, the Bears. And this game again on Sunday against the Steelers felt very reminiscent to me of one of those games, like during that stretch of the 2017 Eagles season where they faced an inferior opponent and they just rolled over. Them. And the Eagles didn't play great in all facets on Sunday. And we'll talk about every aspect of this game. But this is where this team is at this point, where they're so good and they're firing on L cylinders and they're so much better, not just 
roster-wise, but preparation-wise, than the teams that they're going up against that they're just they're just having no trouble whatsoever. And you look at this game Sunday, it was a perfect example of that. Now you look at the offensive side of the ball, and we'll start there. Jalen Hurts just continues to improve every week. I mean, I will definitively say at this point, seven games in, I was totally wrong about Jalen Hurts. I didn't think he was a franchise quarterback. I thought, you know, he's a guy who would be good enough to, you know, get you in the playoffs with the right roster, with the right supporting cast, but he's not a guy who can ascend his level of play to be the quarterback of a team who can really contend for a Super Bowl. I feel like an idiot. I mean, I was wrong. Jalen Hurts is that good. Jalen Hurts is capable of doing that. He is capable of sending the level of talent around. I mean, one, one of the things that I thought like during the offseason, and this was not in regards to A.J. Brown, because that kind of came out of nowhere. But remember, before the Eagles made the deal for A.J. Brown, one of the big topics of conversation was should they make a deal for D.K. Metcalf? I thought no, because I thought Jalen Hurts you know, couldn't take advantage of that kind of receiver. I was wrong. Like Jalen Hurts is capable of making the throws he needs to make. And where I underestimated Jalen and where I think many of his critics underestimated him was just the kid's work ethic and and his willingness to improve, his willingness to learn and his, you know, desire to improve. Because I think a lot of guys have that. You know, I don't think that's the end all be all. Like we've seen a lot of players who have the desire We've seen a lot of players who want to get that much better. They're just not capable. But with Jalen Hurts, you look at his physical skills, and you look at that will, you look at that desire. I mean, he has improved in in so many areas. And I thought one of the things specifically that he said after this game on Sunday that I found so impressive, and, and he, he just continues to impress as, you know, a, a kid, because he is, I mean, he's a young guy. Like, he's, what, 24, 25 years old. But when he said after the game, he was asked about being a dual-threat quarterback, a guy who can beat you with his legs, beat you with his arm. And he said, I don't want to be a dual-threat. I want to be a triple-threat, because I want to be able to beat defenses with my legs, beat defenses with my arm, and beat defenses with my mind. And it's like, for a guy his age, to already see that aspect of the game, and in the NFL... So much of it, if you were a quarterback, is thinking the game, thinking situations, knowing what to do in certain situations. His decision-making is off the charts. Like, he is already one of the best decision-makers, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. That's only going to get better, because this is not a kid who's going to get content. Jalen Hurts is not going to rest on his laurels. He's not going to say, okay, I've made it. You know, I'm going to start partying and slacking off. That's not how this kid is built. and. You look at the improvements physically, you look at the improvements mentally, it's really uh, astonishing to see. And he continues to make good decisions. He continues to protect the football, which is obviously critically important. And when you have a roster that's this good, that's a lot of the battle. It's just not beating yourselves. And when you look at this schedule, I mean, obviously, we talked about that a number of times. But if this team doesn't beat themselves, I don't see how they're going to be beaten you know, I, I don't know about it all this year. The odds are you'll lose one game here or there, but they're not going to lose consistently because they're not going to beat themselves. Jalen Hurts is not turning the ball over. He's protecting the football, 
He's making good decisions, and he's making the throws he needs to make. And you look at that aspect of it. Three touchdowns for A.J. Brown on Sunday. And we'll get to A.J. in a minute. But the throws Jalen Hurts is making, specifically the second touchdown throw to A.J. Brown, you can't place that ball any better. That's good coverage. Like, that is good man coverage on the outside. But Jalen Hurts has lost that thing up, outside shoulder. A.J. Brown makes the play. And, you know, it's a score for the Eagles. And, you know, another thing that I underestimated, and I think others did as well, is what a top receiver can do for a quarterback of Jalen Hurts' experience level. A.J. Brown has changed everything. And it's not he's not the only weapon. Devontae Smith is obviously really good as well. I think those two guys complement each other beautifully. Um, but A.J. Brown is such a difference maker on the field. And the conversation this week has been, he's the best receiver since when in Eagles history? Certainly since T.O. I would say since T.O. I won't say he's better than T.O. at this point. I mean, we think back and yet yeah, ended poorly. But the year T.O. had in 2004 with Donovan McNabb was tremendous. And it's a shame those guys couldn't just get on the same page because I think they could have done some really special things here for a prolonged period of time. But A.J. Brown's been phenomenal and he's a game changer. And you look at the weapons on this offense. I mean, it's it's really fun to watch how quickly this thing has come together. As I said, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown complement each other really well. Devontae Smith is having a really strong year in his own right. Dallas Goddard is not a guy we talk about enough. Dallas Goddard's one of the best tight ends in football. He's become one of the best tight ends in football. And while we all love Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz was a great Philadelphia Eagle, that trade, every game we watch, feels more and more like addition by subtraction. And not that Zach Ertz isn't a good player, but he was blocking Dallas Goddard from getting more playing time. Dallas Goddard is the better player at this point in their careers. I mean, Goddard is phenomenal. And you look at Jalen Hurts' trust in him. He's like Jalen's security blanket. Like, when nothing's going, when he needs somebody to, to kind of get the offense back on track, he's looking for 88. He's looking for Dallas Goddard. And this is an offense where those three guys soak up so much of the targets. It was nice to see a guy like Zach Paschal score a touchdown the other way, the other day. I, I like what he's given this team as well. Good special teams player. Nick Sirianni talked, it after, talked about it after the game that Pascal is a guy who will just do the dirty work. You know, he, he will play on special teams. He'll make blocks. He'll do everything that's asked of him, even if he's not getting the football. And it was nice to see him get rewarded. But, you know, a guy like Quez Watkins, we barely even talked about because there's just not, not a ton of targets to go around right now. But this offense is just moving so efficiently. They're running the ball well. Miles Sanders, I think, is quietly having his best season as an Eagle. I mean, the statistics won't necessarily jump off the charts, but just in terms of doing what's asked. Like Miles Sanders in the past, I think, was always looking for the home run uh, play. He's hitting the holes he's supposed to hit. He's getting the yards he's supposed to get. And if he can do that, if he's doing that, keeping the offense on schedule, there's not much hope that a lot of defenses have of stopping them with these weapons. And a big part of the reason for that is Nick Sirianni and what he's done and Shane Steichen and what he's done. And it's funny because you look at Indianapolis and the irony in this is, is pretty crazy because remember 
when Frank Reich left for Indianapolis and the Eagles offense kind of take took a step back, so much was made out of, oh, well, Frank Reich was the genius behind Doug Peterson. I mean, are we sure at this point that Nick Sirianni wasn't the mind behind Frank Reich and Indy? Because you look what they did in 2020 with an old quarterback in Phillip Rivers. I mean, they weren't a really explosive offense, but they were a very efficient offense. Like, they were able to move the ball well. They moved the ball consistently really week over week. And ever since Phillip Rivers left, I mean, the Colts have tried a number of different quarterbacks. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, last year. Matt Ryan this year. Now Sam Ellinger. Nothing's working for that offense. Absolutely nothing. Frank Reich doesn't seem to have any answers. And I always thought that was unfair to Doug Peterson, that that was kind of, you know, a storyline that emerged. And not to say Frank Reich didn't have a significant impact. Of course he did. But Nick Sirianni, more and more, it is starting to look like he was a key figure in that Indianapolis coaching staff. And you see it here. I mean, what the Eagles are drawing up is just phenomenal stuff. And as well as Jalen Hurts is playing, they're making his job a lot easier because they're giving him easy they're giving him easy decisions to make. They're out-scheming the defense where they pretty much know if we run this against certain look, this guy's going to be open, and it makes it very easy for Jalen to process that information. It makes it a lot quicker for him to be able to go through those reads, go through those prog progressions, get the ball out, and make the right decisions. And when you look at that game, this team just, just dominates. They just dominate, and that's what you wanted to see is you're going up against a team you should beat. You're going up against a Steeler team that is not good. You should beat them by three touchdowns. That's exactly what the Eagles did. And as far as the defensive side of the ball, um, the defense, I think we'd all agree, didn't play great on Sunday. I mean, they gave up some prolonged drives, but in the end, it's about points allowed. They gave up 13 points. And when it comes down to it, that's all that really matters, is how many points are you giving up? They gave up 13 points. They, you know, gave up some long drives, but the red zone defense continues to be great. I mean, teams at this point are not even really throwing at Darius Slay anymore. It's like, okay, you don't want to throw at Darius Slay. You want to throw James Bradbury. That's not going to go very well for you either. And I mean, the secondary's playing with CJ Gardner Johnson. What a pickup he's been. I mean, I don't necessarily need to go through the Howie stuff again, but Howie, it's phenomenal. I mean, what he has done the way he's remade that defense. And obviously a lot of attention goes to A.J. Brown, but you look defensively at the moves the Eagles made in the offseason. Gardner Johnson obviously pick him up for a modest price in training camp. James Bradbury, you get late in free agency because the Giants make a dumb move and release him. Um, Kaiser White has been your pretty much best linebacker. He and T.J. Edwards pretty much on the field all the time. Hassan Reddick has been phenomenal. Jordan Davis has been really good. Now, unfortunately, he's going to be injured for a little bit. Uh, good news that it's not like a season ender or anything like that. Um, but, you know, it's a shame that you won't have Jordan Davis. I don't think you'll necessarily need him. Um, but for his development, you just like to see him having those reps, ha being out there to get ready for this playoff run, which this team will inevitably make. But just another dominant performance. And you look at Thursday night now. As they go to Houston to take on the Texans. And it's at the point where you just don't even worry anymore. Like, 
I expected they would crush the Steelers. They did. I expect they crush the Texans on Thursday night. They will. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles 30 to 13. And I have really no reservations about that. I mean, I don't see any way the Texans can win this game aside from the Eagles just killing themselves with penalties and turnovers. And this team has shown they are not going to do that. Like, they're not going to kill themselves. They're not going to hurt themselves. We talked about Sirianni and Steichen on the offensive side. Got to also mention Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side. Jonathan Gannon, for all the, you know, criticism he got in the offseason, and he's getting praised now. He's not really coaching a different way. He's not. I mean, the talent's just better. It's really as simple as that. He's just got better players, um, which is kind of, you know, how I thought this thing would go. I didn't think Jonathan Gannon necessarily did a bad job last year. I just didn't think he had the players. Um, He has better players. And the red zone defense has been tremendous. And this is a formula for success. And the Eagles continue to roll. What a performance. And I think they're going to blow out Houston once again on Thursday night. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the Phillies here. It's obviously a very disappointing night last night. Uh, Halloween night over at my sister-in-law's. We do some trick-or-treating with my son and, and our nieces getting ready to watch the game. And then... Obviously, the the news that we, I think, all kind of expected as the day was going on, we kind of knew the forecast was ominous. The odds of them playing game three were slim, and the postponement does come down, and uh, Phillies and Astros get delayed in game three, postponed in game three, and game three now will be tonight. And you look at this uh, series here, 1-1 as they go into game three. The Phillies, I still think, are in a good spot. Obviously, game two was disappointing. They didn't hit. Uh, Zach Wheeler struggled on the mound. But you wanted to get the split in Houston. The Eagles or the Phillies get the split. Now, you need to get two of three in Philadelphia. I think that's really the goal here. Obviously, if you can get three and close it out, that would be phenomenal. Beating Houston three times in a row is going to be very difficult. Now, I do think home field advantage will matter. I do think home field advantage at Citizens Bank Park is different than it is most other baseball stadiums. Um, just the atmosphere, the way the crowd reacts to everything. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's unique. It's extremely unique. And, you know, I think this team will get a jolt from that crowd. But you look at the pitching matchup now, and it, originally it was going to be a bullpen game. Now Ranger Suarez will go in game three. The Phillies have the bullpen fully ready to go. Nobody in that bullpen is pitched now in three three days, real any of your big guys since Friday night, because Saturday it's Wheeler, then you were able to get through the rest of that game with Brogdon, Bilotti, and Brad Hand. So Alvarado, Eflin, Dominguez, all those guys should be fully ready to go. And I like the Phillies' chances in game three. I do. Um, with Ranger Suarez on the mound, Ranger Suarez just has that calm heartbeat. Now the Astros do hit lefties well, so it's going to be a challenge. But I like the Phillies' chances here in Game 3. And I still like them to win the series in 6. That was my prediction prior to the series, is that the Phillies will split in Houston. They'll win two of these three in Citizens Bank Park. And will win a Game 6 back in Houston with Zach Wheeler on the mound. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of, I don't know if trouble is the right word, uh, a little concerned by Zach Wheeler's performance the other night. It does seem like he's running out of gas a little bit, but I mean, we also got to remember Zach Wheeler pitched phenomenal in the postseason. 
before that game two starts. So I'm still confident in him moving forward. Uh, but the Phillies desperately need to, I think tonight's a really critical game. I really do. Whoever wins game three is in a great spot. I'm not going to say whoever wins game three is going to win the series. Uh, but whoever wins game three is in a really good spot because you look at where the Phillies are now. They are starting Aaron Nolan game four. Now, Dusty Baker is keeping his same rotation. They're going to start Lance McCullers in game three, Christian Javier in game four, and they will keep Justin Verlander in the game five spot. So Houston has the pitching advantage in game five. When you look at a bullpen game for the Phillies, which is the plan, at least at this point, not that it can't be shifted or adjusted, but as of now, Rob Thompson saying he's going to go with a bullpen game. Noah Syndergaard, maybe if he doesn't use uh, in relief the next two nights or a Kyle Gibson, which obviously scares the hell out of everybody against Justin Verlander. Uh, that is advantage Houston, even with Verlander's World Series struggles. But with Nola going in game four, the Phillies have a real opportunity to go up 3-1. Because, because if you can win game three, I like your chances in game four. Now, we've said it before with Aaron Nola. Um, but again, like, and it really is true this time. This is the biggest start of his career. Like, Aaron Nola needs to come out and perform in game four, win or lose. Because it seemed like he was past these late season struggles. It really did. Obviously, a great start in Houston, clinch playoff berth. Great start in St. Louis. Great start against Atlanta. But this is now two times in a row. Game two against San Diego. We all remember that game where the Phillies and Nola unable to hold on to the 4-0 lead. And despite the Phillies getting the win, he obviously didn't pitch well in game one. He's got to bounce back in game four. Like, he absolutely needs to, to, to pitch better in game four and, and win that game. I mean, it's a huge start for him, especially if the Phillies end up losing game three and are down 2-1. It's going to be an, an absolutely massive start. But, um, yeah, you look at this series, I still think the pathway is there for the Phillies. I still think the Phillies end up winning the series. Uh, so very excited for that as well. Now, one more thing before we sign off here. And by the way, I'll be on uh, 94WIP on Wednesday night following game four uh, down at the ballpark. So I'm very excited to host that postgame show with John Johnson. But one of the controversies that has come out of the last couple of days, Justin Verlander flipping off a fan. Um, and then John Heyman wrote a piece about Philadelphia fans and brings up the billing of Santa Claus and all that stuff. Now I have a different take on this. Like, is it kind of annoying? Is it dumb that reporters keep bringing this aspect up, this Santa Claus thing up? Sure. But uh, my problem as well is why do we get so worked up about this every time? Like they're baiting us to get worked up. This is not something that we should worry about. Like, why do people care about this anymore? Who cares? I mean, why do people care what they say about Philadelphia fans? Jason Kelsey in 2017, with the slogan that so many Philadelphia fans adopted, they don't like us and we don't care. It doesn't really seem to be the case. Because anytime a national writer or anybody says something about Philadelphia, people go nuts. They freak out. They act like it's the worst thing in the world. I just don't understand why people care about it. So just my last thing today is a public service announcement. Don't worry about what John Heyman writes. 
Don't worry about what national people say. It doesn't matter. Who the hell cares? Like, if you really don't care, then stop getting so worked up every time stuff like this happens. And it's honestly just annoying. And honestly, I think it's been kind of a bad week for Philadelphia fans. Like, obviously, a lot of great things happening in Philadelphia sports. But not a great look for the fans this week in terms of the overreaction, the Houston thing the other night with Framber Valdez. He didn't cheat. Like, if, if, if there was something going on, you don't think that the Phillies would have had him checked? Of course they would have. So I think in general, Philadelphia fans need to be a little less sensitive, need to stop acting like crybabies, to be honest with you. Like, if people are so worried about what John Heyman has to say and, you know, are acting like the Astros are cheating because the Phillies are getting beat that night, honestly, I think you're just acting like babies. So I think, you know, that's my last public service announcement here is let's stop acting like crybabies and let's stop worrying what people have to say because it doesn't really matter. But that'll do it for Trash Talk with TK today. I'm Tom Kelly. I'll be back Wednesday night on 94 WIP following Phillies Astros game four live from the ballpark with John Johnson for Phillies post game. Uh, So I'll talk to you guys then. I'm Tom Kelly, and I'll talk to you next week on Trash Talk with TK. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 